Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's great books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 200 of the great books over the next 10 years and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each of the great books. I'm going to do something a little different in this episode. And I've thought about uh, three different ideas that I see in our current place and time that are of concern. And what I want to do is tie three books that I've read for this project to those three concerns. So the three concerns are just uh, the depression and anxiety that that is all around them all around us that we experience that that we just see all around us. So that's the first thing is, is depression slash anxiety. The second is division, just the division that we have among people, uh, people in the same country. It just seems like things are so divided right now, uh, different in different groups. And we, we all kind of just gravitate, gravitate towards these, these different groups. And then everyone on the other side is the enemy. So there's just this great division going on right now. Not, you know, not, not new to history or anything, but just, in my lifetime, it just seems like this is, uh, it, it, it's reached another level recently. And the third thing is distraction, and specifically distraction in the area of, of reading. So distraction, just, we, we have so many things available to us right now. Uh, the phone, we, we're, we're such a distracted people. We, we, it's hard for us to get a moment's peace. So what, what, do some of, what do some of the books have to say about these three things? So what I'm going to do, I've got the three books that I have in mind in my hand, and I just want to open them up, read a small section, and then just talk a little bit about how, how these things tie into these three things of depression, division, and distraction. So the three books I have in my hand are Man's Search for Meaning, The Gulag Archipelago, and Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. These are t- some of my top three books that I've read for this entire project. I started the project in 2017. I read, I read Man's Search for Meaning in 2017. I read Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass in 2019 and closed off 2019 reading The Gulag Archipelago. So these are books that I read four years ago, but they, they have stuck with me. They, they, they hit deep. They hit deep in my soul. I don't think I'll ever forget these these three books. And I, I place them at when people ask me what are your favorite books for this project, these these three always always come to mind. So let me start with Man's Search for Meaning. And, and I'm going to tie this to that that idea of depression and anxiety. Now, Man's Search for Meaning was written by Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor. He was in a, a number of the different concentration camps, including Auschwitz for a, a period of time. And he's he's looking at uh, kind of as a psychologist post Holocaust. He's he's kind of looking back at his time in the concentration camps and asking a number of questions. But one of the questions is is who survives? And he he talks about this idea from Nietzsche that that he who has a why can can um, can survive any how. Uh, and and he talks about that a lot. But there there's different areas of that. And, and I, I just want to highlight part of one paragraph and and then talk about that. So I'm going to read this here. A man who becomes conscious of the responsibility he bears towards a human being who affectionately waits for him or to an unfinished work will never be able to throw away his life. He knows the why for his existence and will be able to bear almost any how, end quote. Again, I, I just want to reiterate that this man was in the most horrible hell that you could possibly be in on earth. 
he was in a concentration camp and he makes a statement like this, that if with the proper why, the proper reason for living, you can you can get through any how. And you just look around today of, of the depression, the anxiety that so so many of us have. And I, I think there's there's part of part of it an answer or, or something that can help in this. That if you have a why, and so in this case it's uh uh, uh, even something like having a responsibility for a human being or for an unfinished work. So like an unfinished work of art or a book. And, and that's something that kept Viktor Frankl going is just uh, this desire to, 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 to share a book with, with, uh, with people in the future. Uh, but, but this other thing of having uh, responsibility for another human being, that's such a, a key thing in, in the concentration camps, there's this odd thing that Viktor Frankl would notice that some of the people who would give away their food or save their food and not just grab as much as they could in their their awful state of starvation and just grab all they could for themselves and stuff their faces while they could, the people who would hold it or the people who would give it, even give away what little they had, they would survive. There, there's something in the human spirit that would survive that, that it, and, and it gave this why to their existence. So I think that's just a very helpful thing for us to think about when we when we perhaps get into these bouts of depression or anxiety, is uh, to think think about things in that sense of what what is your why? What it, uh, is is there someone that that you can care for? Is there a creative act that you can do that that you have to keep working towards? Is there is there some grand project that gives you a why for for living? And what Viktor Frankl saw. Uh, amidst the people who, you know, kind of survived the first round of just mass executions at these places, the people that would survive were those that had a why for, for living. Second book I want to highlight is The Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And, and again, this is another book forged out of suffering. And this man survived the Gulag uh, which you know had very very similar to the concentration camp of World War II, but the Gulag system was was in Soviet Russia. So what uh, what it's it's funny just going through man's search for meaning in the Gulag Archipelago because there there are so many there's so many connection points in in what they talk about and in what they saw and how people survived and and how people could actually grow their soul and grow their grow their faith and grow their humanity amidst this just deprivation and and dis- destruction and, and horrible situation. So uh in this in this camp and he's he's looking at at the guards and, and he's you know looking at them as them, uh, that group, and then he's looking at him as as a as a different group. And he and he makes this just astounding statement. And uh, um, he makes it twice in the book. And so I'm going to skip around from the first time he makes it. Uh, I'll read one part and then jump to the second part when he makes it because he kind of expands on what he's saying. If only it were all so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to to separate them from the rest of us and to destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And then I'll go to the second part here where he kind of expands on that a little bit. 
Gradually, it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. This line shifts inside us, it oscillates with the years, and every, even within hearts overwhelmed by evil, one small bridgehead of good is retained, and even in the best of all hearts, there remains an uprooted small corner of evil. End quote. I, I find this idea so compelling, and I think of it often within our current state of, of division, where it's so easy and, and it's so common to paint one group as the evil group and everyone on the other side as the good group. Now, this gets a little complicated, even with our current situation with, with uh, things in Palestine and Gaza and, and Israel. But at, just think of, I'm talking about this more at the, at the individual level. If you kind of are, are part of a, of a group, it's so easy to just say, okay, everyone on this other group is, is evil and not recognizing the evil in your own heart. And that's, that's Solzhenitsyn's point here. And he's saying this in a gulag where he's getting pummeled by, by guards every day. That the line, there's, there's evil in all of us. And, and if we can recognize that, that's part of that know thyself and and you you can't control a lot of what happens in the world you can't control these mass political movements you can't control what armies do to other armies uh, but you can control yourself and you can work on yourself and that's a very helpful thing to keep in mind in this day of just great division. Uh, I think it, it humbles all of us because you can't just point to other groups out there as, as they're getting it all wrong. Uh, we, we all have that, that chance of, of having it wrong for ourselves as well. And, and just that, that knowledge that we can work on us and that if we, if we all started to do that, that would actually make headway um, instead of, of just these great divisions that we have right now. Third idea that I want to pull is uh, this this idea of distraction, but I'm going to tie it to reading, and I'm going to tie it to Frederick Douglass. Uh, Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. This is a 76-page book, I believe. Um, yeah, it's, it's a short one, but it packs a punch, and it's one of my favorites. Each paragraph is just so rich. And there's a story on page 20 of the version that I have where... Frederick Douglass has landed with a new master, and this master's wife starts to teach him the alphabet. And the the white master gets wind of this, and he he yells at his wife right in front of Frederick Douglass. And he says things like this, it would be forever unfit him to be a slave uh, if he learned how to read. He would at once become unmanageable and of no value to his master. As to himself, it could do him no good, but a great deal of harm. It would make him discontented and unhappy. Later on, Frederick Douglass says this, from that moment, I understood the pathway from slavery to freedom. It was j- just what I wanted. And I got it at the time when I least expected it. While I was saddened by the thought of losing the aid of my kind mistress, I was gladdened by the invaluable instruction which by the merest accident I had gained from my master. That which to him was a great evil, to be carefully shunned, was to me a great good. To be diligently sought in the argument which he so warmly urged against my learning to read only served to inspire me with a desire and a determination to learn." 
to learn. In learning to read, I owe almost as much to the bitter opposition of my master as to the kindly aid of my mistress. I acknowledge the benefit of both, end quote. I just want to read that just one sentence once again. From that moment, I understood the pathway from slavery to freedom, and the pathway involved learning how to read. The reason I bring this one up is I, I get very concerned with the state of reading with uh, young people, and uh, specifically high school students. And and I know just in general, I, mean, I know from my own high school experience that I, 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 uh, I learned to not enjoy reading during high school. We were forced to read classics, and and so I know high school just in general is is a difficult time to begin reading, and it, and it's just it's so interesting to me that there's this this big banned books initiative, and and you know we're we're all afraid of books being banned, and yet kids are not even reading right now. So I I don't know why there's such a concern with banned books when the bigger concern to me is that kids are not reading at all. Like you look at high schools, they're getting rid of high school libraries. And part of that is a top-down thing. I think the bigger thing though is kids just aren't checking books out. So it's it's more an issue of demand than uh, some like top-down government thing saying, you know, get rid of rid of books. Perhaps that's part of it as well, but there, there's a demand side of this as well. And kids are just not checking out books. They have phones, they have laptops, they have iPads. They, th- there's, there's, too, there's, there's too many distractions and there's just a, a phone seems common to them. A phone is easy to access. They understand the phone, but in turn, that phone is, is diverting their attention. It's making their attention spans less and less. And so I, I may come off as a, uh, you know, sounding like an old man here. Like, we got to get these kids reading again. But this is why. I mean, this is this Frederick Douglass identifies the the path to freedom from slavery through the art of reading, through reading. So what if we flip that? Do you do you digress? Do you go the opposite way? Do you go towards slavery if you are if you forget how to read, or if you don't read, or if you don't know how to read, or if you're not, if you have the ability, but you're not reading, is that too much of a jump? Uh, I, I just, I think of this often in, in this, this path from slavery to freedom for Frederick Douglass and the aftermath of that, the, the number of people he, he, he saved from slavery from his own path, uh, his, his I think this is the great one of the greatest men that has ever lived, and it started with that. So if we're flipping that around now, if if kids are are getting less and less able or willing or desiring to read because of distraction, that is a big problem, and it and it leads us down a a a, a very disturbing path. I don't think I would consider it as big of an issue were it not for for seeing this come up in in Frederick Douglass. So again, uh, we've got depression, we've got division, and we've got distraction. And here are how Viktor Frankl, how Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and how Frederick Douglass talked about these things, and I think gave us a good starting point on how to perhaps begin thinking about them in a good way and, and even leading to solving them and perhaps not solving them at uh, these great macro levels, but perhaps at the micro level of, of our own lives. Uh, but that in, 
in turn impacting those around us, imp- impacting our families, those closest to us. And that's where change is going to happen. It's, it, it's, it's hard it's hard to make change at these macro levels, but we can do uh, at the micro levels. So um, if you have not read any of these books, and if, if you're concerned with any of these items as well, I'd, I'd recommend these three books. Again, they're, they're three of my top favorites for the entire project. But with depression and anxiety, that, that entire book, Man's Search for Meaning, is just full of um, incredible wisdom. And again, wisdom that was gained through just intense suffering. And so you know it's legit. You know it's real. It, it, was, it, it was gathered. It was gained through intense suffering. Same with, uh, with Gulag Archipelago and, and the lessons that Solzhenitsyn pulls from there. Um, that, that division thing, uh, the line dividing good and evil, that's just one very small part of the book. The, the rest of the book has a lot to say uh, for kind of these same things with, with Viktor Frankl on the issues of depression and, and anxiety. And then uh, the, the Frederick Douglass narrative of the life, that's an excellent book. If you want to learn more about Frederick Douglass, I, I suggest the David Blight biography. It won a, a Pulitzer Prize. And uh, the, Frederick Douglass is just, he's an incredible man. And, and I, I would encourage you to learn more about, about him. So that'll, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Again, this kind of a, a of, it, of an experiment just to talk about some modern um, concerns using books from the past. And maybe I'll do more of these episodes coming up. I'm currently reading through the Iliad. And uh, that's I expect that to take a month because I'm I, I want to read through it twice. And then I'm reading a few other books about the Iliad in, in between that. And, and I'm, I'm also part of a tutorial where, where we're reading this book together. So I'm loving it. This is my first time through the Iliad. And so I can't wait to cover it on the podcast. But I want to try to just wait and, and, and kind of like just do one kind of big episode on, on the Iliad instead of instead of uh, dividing it up. So uh, that that'll be coming in the near future. I've got a few other books that I want to cover on the podcast before then, but, um, thank you for listening to this episode. If, um, if, if, if you're concerned with any of these three things as well, the, the division, the distraction and the depression, anxiety, uh, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love uh, to, to see what things you've gathered from from literature from from uh, great works out there that have helped you in in those three areas as well i'll be back in a week or two with another episode and until then keep reading keep learning and keep listening i'm out <laughs>